And, uh, but I have. I've cut it in half, so we'll, we'll finish it up next week. But some great truth. It's simply entitled this, As for Me, Living by Conviction. And boy, this is a message for all of us. And I, I, though I would especially say this, hey, teenagers, you're either here or listening there at home, my friend. Listen, hey, you need to make sure that this message is true for you, that your life is marked by living by conviction, not just being tossed to and fro, not just uh, going with every whim or whatever the case may be. Live by conviction. And uh, even adults, we ought to live by conviction. And hopefully you've already established that in your life if you are uh, an adult. However, sometimes it's good to be reminded. It, it, it's good to reevaluate my convictions and say, okay, what are they based on? And are they really uh, providing me the principles that I need for living uh, that then in turn produce the choices that I need to make on a daily basis? We'll get more into that tonight. And I trust it'll be a challenge to you and I, what we are able to get through this evening. Let's look at Joshua chapter 24. Let's pick up in verse 14, familiar passage. We'll read through verse 28, a lengthy part, so I hope you'll stick with me. Read along there at home or here if you have your Bibles. Verse number 14, now therefore, Joshua speaking, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. That is a powerful statement, isn't it? And uh, you could preach that verse by itself, but we're not going to do that tonight. Verse 15, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, and key statement, we know it well, but as for me, me in my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid uh, that, excuse me, that we should um, forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up out of our, uh, brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us all in the way wherein we went and uh, among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out the, before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord. I love this statement, for he is our God. Verse 19, and Joshua said unto the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, put away, said he, uh, the strange gods which are among you. And I like this statement, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. The people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every man unto his inheritance. 
It is interesting to note, to observe, and certainly it is necessary to observe, that everyday life is really ordered and directed by personal convictions. Things that I am convinced of. We put it this way, and here's a statement. I've used something similar before in message in bygone days. And it's basic. Life is truly little more than choices made based upon established convictions. And we'll see that we derive principles from convictions that inform our decisions, our choices. Now, we do this every day. And I, I want you to see, young person, I want you to see this is much more than the spiritual realm. This is all of life. You and I have made some choices today that were based upon principles that we have determined based upon convictions that we have. And it may be the smallest thing. It may be the most minute thing. Uh, it could be anything. I, I, I love being here in Michigan, and I hear people state all kinds of statements, make all kinds of statements based upon their personal convictions. Uh, I've heard this before. Have you heard this? I would never go to that hospital. I wouldn't send my dog to that hospital. Boy, that's, a, that's based on a conviction, man. Somebody feels strongly about that. And uh, I won't name a hospital or anything like that, okay? Some might say, I would never buy a car that doesn't say Chevy. That's a conviction, man. Somebody's like, oh, yeah, maybe you work for him, whatever the case may be. I get it. Some of you might say, any tractor that is not green ain't worth much. I've heard that, yes. You know, there's an amen already, right? I have to admit, I own a green tractor. It's a small little kid ride-on tractor, okay? I don't ride on it. My kids do. In fact, I think it was a gift from Brother Jerry many, many moons ago. I've had people come by my house and threaten to paint it red and white. Okay, so I, hey, we have convictions, don't we? We, we are convinced that, that something is one way or the other. Uh, so, several I've heard, a, a beefsteak tomato is the best tomato you can grow. How about this one? Brussels sprouts are terrible. That's mine. Okay, how about this? Man, I, I could not make it through the day without my morning coffee. How about some of you young people? Oh, such and such sport is the best sport. Now, some of our older folks argue about that. Which sport is better? How about this one? <laughs> Adidas or something else is the best brand. Uh, how about this for some of those who like video games? Blank is the best video game system. I remember being in college and I had some friends, <laughs> loosely called probably, who all, they spent a lot of time playing video games and I had two of them that argued which was best, PlayStation or Nintendo. And all they did was argue and argue about which one was the best guy. I mean, they were convinced, man. They had a conviction about what that was. The list could go on and on. You know, literally, as I said a moment ago, you made some decisions today based upon some personal convictions. Not necessarily about uh, spiritual things, though I hope there were some in there. But all of life rests upon principles that are rooted in personal conviction. We all have that. And so uh, that is what life is made up of. There are a multitude of things that each of us already did out of conviction. We made a choice based upon our hearts being convinced of something. It, not your spouse, not your parents, not someone else. You made a choice based upon your heart being convinced. You literally, as you were convinced, you made the choice to act based upon what you believe strongly. It is a conviction. In this passage, Joshua tells Israel in verse 15, you need to choose. You need to make a choice. Life is full of decisions, isn't it? Uh, we think from a young person onward, and sometimes we think, oh, if I, when I finally get through making a decision about college and who I will marry, boy, the decisions stop. No way. Life is full of choices. 
Every day, every year of life, you're going to be faced with more choices. And you're going to make decisions, choices, based upon principles of life that are derived from your convictions. Certainly for the Christian, obviously, we are establishing that all convictions spiritually ought to be rooted on the Word of God. We get that. The truth of God's Word. So we ought to gain those convictions from what the Bible teaches, right? So all of our choices are made in such a way. So here in verse 15, they're going into the new land. This is a new season of life for Israel. Joshua looks at the people like, I'm looking at you right now. And he says, listen, you need to choose. You need to make a decision. And as he does that, we see even in verse 22, he says, you have chosen the Lord. Verse 18, the last part, I read that before you moment ago. I think it's a great statement. He says, or they say, therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. So there's some conviction coming through, some principles they're applying to make a choice. Look at verse 24 again, if you will. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve. In his voice we will or will we obey. There is a decision being made based upon a principle and conviction. You know the problem with some conviction? are though they change from day to day they change with age they change with things and because they're not rested upon the unchanging truth of God's word they're not rested upon the unchanging character of God and if that's the case when it comes to big time life decisions if they're not rooted and based upon the unchanging word of God or the unchanging character of God guess what happens to our convictions they're like this we're all over the map and boy, here is a perfect example of it. Boy, you hear these people you're like, man, these folks, have, they have convictions about serving God. Now, what's interesting about that is what? What book comes next? Judges. What happens in Judges? <laughs> we call it a cycle, don't we? Uh, they turn to God, they repent of their sins. Then God sends a judge, someone to deliver them, and all of a sudden, before long, they're back in their sin again, and it just keeps going in a vicious cycle. Why? Because their convictions are like this. They weren't rooted on the truth. We see it play out, and yet here they are, and boy, what a statement they make. Hey, we will serve the Lord, we're going to obey His voice. It's a great statement. So what's the difference? What, why is that the case? What, how should we be different than the Israelites in this passage? Well, let me submit to you this evening, some of the greatest heroes found within the Scriptures are that. They're heroes, if we could put it that way, because they are men and women of conviction. More specifically, not only are they men and women of conviction, but don't miss this, they were first men and women possessing the right convictions. Some of the things that Israel said is good, but some of it kind of reveals some of the things that play into their conviction. See, uh, they were all about what God had done for them in the past. That's fantastic, and that's good. But the fact is, the moment things got a little tough, things got a little get difficult, or even better, uh, some of those idols and some of those people they left in the land that they didn't obey and get rid of completely, they started to influence Israel. And that conviction didn't stick. It didn't hang on to them. They didn't cleave to it. They didn't grab hold of it and allow them to determine principles that in turn determine choices. You know, some of the great heroes of Scripture, if you look at them, they had the right convictions. You ought to have convictions, but more importantly, you ought to have the right convictions. What are right convictions? Those founded on the Word of God. 
the truth of the Word of God, the truth of the character of the Word of God. Secondly, their convictions were not simply here today and gone tomorrow. They were lifelong convictions, constant and present through every season of life and frequently revisited and renewed and adhered to daily. This is so crucial. You look at the heroes of Scripture, even the heroes of Christians of of bygone eras and centuries and decades and so forth, what marks them, what allows them to be a, a hero of the faith is that not only do they have convictions, they have the right convictions, and they are lifelong convictions. You look at them at age 20, at age 30, at age 40, age 50, age 60, age 70, their convictions don't change. The application might as different seasons of life come up, and they're faced with different things, but their convictions are life long there were times when israel would not say what they said here what a powerful statement we read for he is our god do you realize some of these very same israelites just a few months later a few years later had little idols in their house that they called gods it's conviction that didn't last It's a conviction that didn't stick with them throughout their life. And young person, I want to tell you, unless you want hurt, sorrow, pain, disappointment, you better cling to some convictions founded in God's Word and hang on to them your entire life. Don't let them them fall by the wayside. Don't let loose of them. Hang on to them. Make sure they are lifelong. In this sense, you know what? Joshua was such a hero. He knew that Israel was going to falter in their conviction, a faltering that would be evident in their choices later on. Did you remember what we read, verse 19? Look at it again. Notice what he says here in Joshua chapter 24, verse 19. Joshua said to the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God, and he is a jealous God, for he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Verse 20, If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that ye hath done you good. Now listen, friend. Those verses, man, verse 19, literally, if you want to read it, it really says this, God desires people with lifelong convictions. Right now, they're saying, hey, he is our God. We're going to listen. We're going to obey his voice. We're going to do everything that God wants us to. Joshua says, hey, the stone heard you. Isn't it kind of funny to use a stone as a witness? <laughs> and, uh, but he does. Here's a stone. It's a witness of this covenant between us and with God. And, and boy, this was supposed to last. This thing was supposed to endure the entire time of their lives. And boy, we get just over a few pages in our Bible. And guess what happens? Israel's sinning. Israel's going after false gods, and God allows other nations, Philistines and others, to descend upon Israel and fulfill verse 20. You know what God wants? Young person, don't miss this. God wants people with lifelong convictions that live by those convictions, that have principles that inform their choices throughout their entirety of their lives. He knew, Joshua knew and seemed to know their heart that eventually there would be a constant waffling back and forth between God and their own ways and gods of their own making. That's why in the midst of this discourse and challenge to Israel, we find Joshua's grand statement. You remember what it was? We read it. He said what? As for me. Now listen to me very carefully. The point of the whole message, and we're going to, in fact, this is still introduction, believe it or not, uh, but we're going to get to it. The as for me. You know what? You need to have an attitude of as for me. 
I'm looking out in this auditorium, and no doubt people who are watching us via live streaming, there are parents watching with their children. It is fantastic, and it is right for parents to rear their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I am thankful for what God has blessed my, myself with in my life and my parents. It was crucial. It was helpful in my personal spiritual development to follow after God. And many of you are likewise the same. It is not to discredit a parental, a parental influence, but I want to tell you this. The time comes in every person's life that you must develop personal convictions. It is no longer going to carry you in life. Well, we do it because mom and dad always said we do it. We do it because we always did this growing up. We did this because this is why we, that's what we've always done. That will not hold water in the pressures of life. It will not. And Joshua's challenging Israel because Israel's been following Moses. Literally, what do we call them? The children of Israel, right? And we understand it's referring to Israel and Jacob, but, I, but there's, a, there's a double meaning, may we say? Because to Moses and Joshua, they were like children at times. And they often just followed Moses and Joshua. Joshua goes off, and boy, they don't have anybody to follow. They try to follow Samuel and other leaders and judges. And man, they are like a bunch of children who are just following a leader, uh, maybe adhering to their convictions, not making them personal. And boy, you get a few years down the road, and things have gone amok. May I tell you, young person, the same will happen in your life unless you make your convictions personal. Unless you say, okay, I need to have personal convictions. Here's Joshua in the midst of this. He says, listen, as for me in my house. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever said, as for me, this is my conviction? Based on God's word, the truth of it. As for me, whatever your age, you may be an older adult, maybe you've never sat down you said, you know what, as for me, here is my conviction concerning this. That's what Joshua does here. And when he does that, he is saying several things. Notice that number one, he's saying this, here is where I take a stand. See, convictions move us and cause us to take a stand in every area of life. Daniel is a prime example of that. Uh, just a, a tremendous thing. I, I was reading uh, some historical things about Nathan Hill and it, it being killed, put to death, hung for being a spy, and just his regret that he only has one life to give, that, that he avoided, that he couldn't do more for his country. I mean, that was conviction there. Daniel, just full of conviction. I, I'm going to keep praying. You do what you want. I'm going to keep praying. I mean, it makes you take a stand. Joshua's taking a stand. He knows what's coming down the pike. But certainly, maybe God revealed it, but maybe better put, he knew the heart of the children of Israel. Number two, what does he do? He challenges the whole nation gathered there to realize that living for God demands a life of similar conviction. You will never be a strong Christian unless you live by convictions. Did you catch that? You will never be a strong child of God, a believer, the ambassador you have been called to be, unless you live by convictions. Convictions that produce principles that you live by and make choices from that then impact your daily living. You will never be that. And boy, Joshua is laying it out. And I think this is crucial too. Number three, he establishes that life is lived through one's basic choices determined by specific principles rooted in one's convictions. So convictions lead to principles to live by. 
which then determine what choice in action is made. Now, l- let me make another point here, okay? Um, let me give you an illustration, okay? Many of you will join me in this. When we pause to, to eat, we like to eat. I'm a foodie. I like to eat, okay? So when we have a meal, many of you will join me in stopping and we give a prayer to God. We stop and pray, giving him thanks and asking him to bless that. Now, let me ask you, don't answer out loud, and they're at home here too. Why do you do that? Okay, don't answer it out loud. Answer it in your head. If you have to answer it loud, that's the only way you think. Go for it. Okay? <laughs> but, but answer. Why do you do that? What's your conviction that moves you in the middle of a McDonald's or a Burger King or some better restaurant to, to stop and bow your head when the, uh, the, the waitress or the waiter, I guess that doesn't happen at McDonald's, but uh, when you get your food and you stop and you bow your head, why do you do that? Is it simply because, well, I, God wants me to, I, I believe, and he's watching? Or is it because, well, this is what we've always done? Why do you do that? Many years ago, I, I reasoned through this. I said, why do, I, why do we do this? I grew up in a house that we did that, and my mom and dad were, were very clear and, and very deliberate about that in teaching, and that's fantastic. That is necessary. What does that do? Uh, Solomon, like you said, he kind of aims the arrow in the right direction. And somewhere, my personal conviction had to take over. And so as I thought about it, why do I pray before a meal? Why is it I bow my head, I pause and say, okay, God, thank you for this? Well, I came to the personal conviction that it is both right to do and it is scriptural to do. See, the Bible, many times over, it tells us to give thanks for everything. So, number one, we ought to be thankful for everything we get. And I'll, I'll tell you, I don't miss many a meal, but I fear about missing a meal. I don't want to miss a meal. And I sure am thankful for what God provides. And so we ought to be thankful for that. That's number one. But even more specific, this is what I like. You realize that Jesus Christ had a pattern of thanking God for food? Of blessing it? In, in many, several of his miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, he stopped and he prayed, he thanked God, and he blessed it. Now I'll tell you, I got a large family. I would love for that multiplication to happen to my table. That's not why he did it. He, he did it because it was the right thing to do. He repeated it. In fact, you know where else he did it? In the upper room. He stopped, he prayed, and he asked God to bless it. Paul later gives the same pattern. He, he does the same thing. And so we have scriptural foundation. And so from understanding that, as I studied it personally, I came to the realization, boy, we ought, here's the principle. Whenever I sit down and I have food that God has provided, I ought to give thanks for it. And so then that flows into a personal daily choice of that when we sit down, whether as a family or myself individually, I sit down and I partake of food. You know what we ought to do? I ought to bow my head and pause and think of God in heaven that has provided it for me and ask him to bless it ask him to to give me nourishment and strength from it to to bless what we are to partake of listen young person can i tell you you say well pastor henry praying over food is such a small thing but i'll tell you this if you don't live by conviction there when it comes to the big things of life you won't live by conviction either i've seen way too many christians forget don't pray don't don't even think about it oh i forgot you know what that tells me they're probably not very good at living by conviction I get it. We get old and we forget things. I I get that. But you understand, if it is a pattern where they really don't do it often, it shows me they've never learned a conviction in this area. 
And it may be a pretty good indicator that they don't live by conviction in other areas of their life. And yet all of life ought to be lived by conviction. As for me, I am grateful for the godly heritage I have. I no doubt (laughs) praise my parents and the Lord for helping set me on the right direction. But somewhere I had to take over. The Holy Spirit speaking and working in me to establish personal convictions. It is my prayer for my children. It is my prayer for every teenager and every child of Fostoria Baptist Church. That they too, that you too would have these personal convictions in every area of life. Many other heroes in the Bible did the same. And this includes David. See, David as we know, what was he called? A man after God's own heart. In fact, here's what's neat. Probably more so than any other person in the Old Testament, we are given a series of statements found in the Psalms of basic principles that David lived by. See, he tells us, and I love this because you know what he does? Don't miss this, all right? We're almost done for tonight's installment. We'll get to uh, follow up. This is literally still the introduction. Um, You know what he does in these statements? This is great. He says this, as for, what do you think the next word is? Me. Just like Joshua. Joshua is, as for me and my house, we're going to do this. David, you know what? In seven statements in the book of Psalms, he says this, as for me. And I'll tell you, these statements show us, they, they speak of principles that were based upon convictions that determine the choices of David. So don't miss this. I hate that we have to kind of do this uh, uh, two services, but here's the reality. You want to know who David was? I love that statement about David. He was a man after God's own heart. Man, that's just tremendous. How was that so? Well, these statements tell you. They give you the principles that he lived by. Was he perfect? No. But he had principles based upon conviction that he lived by that informed his choices. Did he make the right choice always? No. Sometimes he allowed his flesh to make the decision instead of the principles based upon conviction. But I'll tell you, those, as I've described up here, those mistakes and failures were but blips on the radar of his life. Here is what made him a man after God's own heart. These statements that he says, as for me. You know who David was? Study these statements as we'll do tonight and next Sunday. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 55, will you? Psalm chapter 55, and let's look at the first one. Very basic, very simple, but I want to share it with you uh, this evening. Number one is this. It's a conviction for conversion. A conviction for conversion. Psalm chapter 55 and verse number 16. Notice it. He starts it out with that simple phrase. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. So it starts where it must start for every person. Calling on God for salvation. It played out in David's life many times in the sense of physical salvation, physical deliverance from many enemies. We know the enemies of David. We get that. And certainly this is no doubt a reference to that. He says, God came to my rescue each and every time. But here's the truth that underlines this statement. So don't miss it. It underlines the statement found here in this verse. His trust in God for physical salvation was preceded by his trust in God for spiritual salvation. 
You catch that? Listen, when David cries out to God, when the Philistines are, are upon him, when the Philistines are fighting, whatever the case may be, when, when Saul is trying to hunt him down, when Absalom is trying to usurp the kingdom from David, he calls out to God. You don't call out to God for help physically until you realize that God is your only help spiritually. Do you say, wait a minute, there's only one God for me, as the Israelites did in Joshua chapter 24. He is our God. Somewhere along the way, David had the conviction that stuck with him that if everyone forsakes me, I have a God in heaven who loves me and who has my back. It was a conviction through life. And if there is one anchor, one stabilizing reality and fact and truth in David's life, it was this. He trusted in God for salvation. May I put it a little bit more clearly? He had faith that God would deliver him in one way or another from his physical enemies. Why? Because he trusted that God alone could deliver him from his greatest enemy, the spiritual enemy of sin. He trusted him. It was his conviction that no one else could help him like God could. Do you have that conviction, young person? It starts with conversion. In other words, the reality is even David trusted God for the cleansing from his sin, for eternal life in heaven, to be delivered from hell. He trusted him. It was his conviction that only God could hear his call and save him. Listen, hey, I know in many ways that if I were in great need, there my wife would, would come running. I, she, she would drop everything. She would do anything for me. I get that. My parents, much the same. There are men and folks here, friends, that, that would do the same, that they would drop everything. They could come help. But I'll tell you, you have to come to the conviction that no one can help you like God can. That he is your greatest help, that he alone can provide salvation spiritually. And my friend, he alone can get you through any storm in life. Though all forsake me, if I have God, I have more than enough. That's a conviction. David had it. David said, listen, I, I, boy, when, when I'm in trouble, all I need to call is uh, my, my, my soldiers. I need to call my, my head of arms, my, my sons, my family. No, no, no. He says, boy, I know who I can call. I can call God and that he would hear. I want to tell you today, friend, that only God can save you. Only Jesus Christ paid for your sin and can be your Savior. And once you trust him, and this is a great truth, once you trust him for spiritual salvation you will find him always faithful in providing physical salvation. See, once you and I come to put our faith and trust in Christ, then we realize the reality that our God provides physical deliverance too. You know what the Bible says? You do know it. He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That is a form of deliverance. He says this, and we've just studied it many moons ago, and all things work together for good to them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. That is a form of physical deliverance. It is the reality that God takes everything that looks like defeat and unsuccessful and things that will backfire, and he works it together for our good. I don't go through a valley alone. God is right there with me. I don't have to make it through a storm of life. He is right there with me. He is the captain of my ship. That is who God is. That is the conviction that you must have as a believer. If he can save you spiritually, you better believe he can save you physically. 
And you say, well, Pastor Henry, what if something happens and, and we progress in America where there's persecution and tribulation because I'm trusting and, and, and believing in God? Can I tell you, if you and I have to die for our faith in Jesus Christ, that's pretty good salvation, isn't it? I'd be glad to be taken to heaven even today to be with God for all of eternity. My friend, our God is a God of deliverance and salvation. You've got to have, you must have that conviction. You must make it a part of your life. Let me ask you this, and here's a simple question of application. Is your, your conviction that God alone offers salvation? That he is the greatest help you can ever have. Here's the application we'll make both tonight and next Sunday night as we get into the six other statements. Here it is. Listen to me carefully. Would you do this? This is the very practical response to a message like tonight. Number one, would you fill in the blank? Would you say this personally? And I think this would be great for our young people to write in a notebook. Okay, my personal convictions. First of all, as for me. Not for me and my, my parents. No, no, as for me, though it may be informed by what my parents have taught me and directed me based on God's word, as for me and my salvation, the one I run to, the one that can help me, I fill in the blank. What was David's simple response? Well, as for me and salvation, I will call upon God. That's a pretty good conviction to have, isn't it? In my greatest time of need, whether it be spiritually, whether it be physically, or whatever the case may be, I will call upon God. Why does he say that? Because he knows that God is the greatest Savior, Deliverer, Redeemer that anyone could ever have. He is the greatest help in time of need. So is that your conviction? If God in heaven were writing your convictions based upon how you live, what would he put in the blank? Oh, as for Stephen Henry in salvation, he blank. Would we fear what God would write? What made David a man after God's own heart was his conviction for conversion and certainly as we think about it, salvation. That God was a very present help in a time of trouble. What's your conviction concerning it? Father, we thank you for your word. We're grateful for the truths of this passage in Joshua 24. And Lord, I'm excited already when we glimpsed of David. I look forward to our, our further study of some of the statements. And Lord, I pray that everyone that's listening, everyone present here, that we would have a working, an impacting statement of convictions. That Father, we would regularly be able to say, well, as for me, and based upon God's word, here's my conviction in this area. Lord, I pray for our young people. May they be stirred this evening to personal convictions, to establishing and erecting those built upon your word for themselves. Certainly we are grateful for godly heritage and godly parents and a youth pastor and those around us who, who teach us and give us the truth. But Father, I pray that young people and adults alike would have personal convictions that are lifelong, that don't waffle, that don't change with the, the changing of seasons and times. And then, Father, I pray they'd be the right convictions. Lord, I pray this week, as we think about our own convictions, that we would, number one, make sure they're founded on your word, the truth of your word and the truth of your character. Father, secondly, I pray that you would help us to evaluate whether we've held on to our convictions throughout our entire life. Lord, I pray that we haven't compromised in our convictions. 
I pray that though our words may say one thing, our living says another. Father, I pray that would not be true of any of us. And Lord, I pray even tonight that you would speak to our hearts and you would challenge us about where we've let up in some convictions based upon your word. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to live the life that you've called us to live. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is here to guide us and to illuminate your word for us. Bless each person that's here, and Lord, I pray that we would live by convictions that are based and rooted in your word. Thank you for the truth that you've given us, Lord. We love you so very much. It's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. I ask you to join me in standing, if you will. I'm going to ask Pastor Aaron to come. We'll